Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual journey and look forward to helping you discover God's plan for your life. To find more messages like this, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast feeds. To stay connected with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle CCGF01 and check out our website, ccgf.org, for all of this information and more. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to You. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to have you with us today as we continue in worship. If you're new to us, we're especially excited you're here, whether you're online viewing or if you're sitting in the pews with us, we're always excited to have guests with us. One of the things you may know about Christ Church, whether you've been here for a long time or just a little while, is that we are a non-denominational church, but we worship in the Anglican tradition. And um, one of the historical church uh, works that we have in our possession is the Book of Common Prayer. I came across a prayer recently from the Book of Common Prayer, and I want to share it with us to frame our time together as we go to the message today. And this is a prayer that specifically hones us in on the Word of God and its power. And so I'd ask you, as we consider the story you just heard Malachi read before us, if you would go with me in prayer right now as I read this prayer, a historical work of the faith, to us and and ask the Lord to breathe new life into it for us this morning. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them. Read. Mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, well, hey, I want to tell you um, about a person, a very interesting story, named Dr. William Leslie. I think we have a picture of Dr. Leslie and his family to show you. As you can see, they lived many years ago. Leslie was a pharmacist, and he devoted his life to Christ as an adult, and he felt the call to medical missions, to take his, his training and his profession and to use it to build the kingdom of God. By the way, that's still a good idea for people to do. And whether you go somewhere far away or not, to see your vocation, to see your your work as an opportunity to share faith, that's a good thing. Leslie saw that, and he went to the Republic of Congo in Africa in the late 1800s. He spent 17 years there actually ministering. There's some fantastic stories about Leslie there. I mean, he, he faced odd illnesses and sicknesses. That was part of his experience. He, he had to face a charging buffalo at one point. Stare that down. He lived to tell. And he got attacked by an army of ants. Welcome to the mission field. Doesn't it sound great? Buffaloes and ants and sickness. He had a falling out. Leslie did with the tribal leaders. He was in the Quilu River Valley in Central Africa. He had a falling out with the tribal leaders and they asked him to leave and not return after 17 years of ministry. 
And for the rest of his life, Leslie spent his days dogged by this memory, the thought that he had little impact, little to show for his 17 years of investment. I think one of the questions that Leslie may have been wrestling with is is this, what did I leave behind? 17 years of my life, taken on buffaloes and, and armies of ants and all these things. What is there to show for that? What did I leave behind? And I believe that's a really good question for us. I mean, you ever wonder? You ever wonder, what am I leaving behind? If you're a parent, I'm sure you're thinking about those kind of things. If you have children, even if they're young, what are we leaving behind? I love that we have these families come forward today. They're making a statement saying, we want to leave something behind for our children. If you're a grandparent, maybe you're wondering, what what am I leaving behind for my children? If you're a young adult, if you're a high school student, it's never too late to be thinking, what does my life amount to? I mean, what, what am I really pursuing with my days? That's a really important question. Look, you can leave behind an estate. Money and land and real estate and stocks and bonds. You can leave that kind of thing behind. That could be a part of a legacy you have. You can leave all those assets, though, and not really have much of a true legacy, if you know what I mean. You could leave all that behind and not have a true legacy. And so you might ask the question personally, how do I leave behind a legacy of faith? Of faith, not just material things. And how do I know if I'm doing that? Good question for everyone in this room, anyone who's listening at home to consider this morning. How do I leave behind a legacy of faith? Big question. I'll tell you this. What we do evidences what we are. Let me say it again. What we do, how we live our lives, evidences what we are. In other words, do you profess to be a believer, a follower of Christ, a child of God? Well, what we do how we live our lives. The evidence is that the book of James is this way. Maybe you've heard it. Works evidence faith. Works evidence faith. Talk about a legacy. John Calvin, well-known theologian. He reduced this principle I'm talking about to the following quote. He said, faith alone justifies. But the faith which justifies is not alone. In other words, there's evidence of your faith that must be present. Let's talk about as a church. What what legacy are we leaving behind for future generations? For the little babies, the little ones that are up here. What legacy are we creating to pass on to these precious little children? Those who are downstairs our middle school, our youth, the next generations. What is it that we're leaving behind for them? You know, think about this. There there are many of, of, of the people in our audience today, whether again online or in the room, who we could say, how do I put this? Are on the back nine of life. You know what I mean? The back nine of life. When you think about that, 
What significant, bold evidences of faith will be intact when we are no longer in this room? When we are no longer on the membership roles of this church? What will be intact? What is it that we're leaving behind? And so once again, I say to us as a church, what we do evidences what we are. We, we, we claim to be evangelical. We claim to be a family. We claim to, to, to put an emphasis on reaching our city and our nation and the world with the gospel of Christ. Well, well what we do evidences what we are. Works evidence faith. That, that question of, that Dr. Leslie probably had in his mind of what, am I, what have I left behind? What did I leave behind? It's a good question for us. That same question, what are we leaving behind? I'm going to put you to the, to the word now, point you to the word. And the story that we just heard read, that was told by Jesus from Matthew 25, I believe challenges us to think about these matters, to think about legacy, so to speak. And, and I want to say this, as I studied this passage, I believe this is very clear about what we're hearing today, Matthew 25, and this story that's traditionally known, the parable of the talents. I believe that it is first and foremost a warning. It's a warning to the listening audience. It's a warning about idleness. More than it's an encouragement to faithfulness. I really believe that this is a warning and the other thing I would assert is this, this, this teaching from Matthew 25. I believe that it's specifically addressed to the church. And so I'm going to address you today and speak to you as a body of believers. Many of you, of course, are a part of Christ Church right now. This is your home. Others who are listening, you're a part of another church. I'm addressing you as people who are part of the church of Jesus Christ. Now look, there's absolutely application for the individual. That's true as well. But I'll be addressing you as a people. Let's go to the text once again. There are two things I want to draw out, two themes. The themes are watching and witnessing. Watching and witnessing. Let's talk about watching first. And I'm going to read to you verse 19 from Matthew 25. Remember, there was a man who went on a journey, called his servants in, and entrusted his wealth to them. Look at verse 19 of Matthew 25. It says this, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. After a long time, it says. Well, let's make this really clear. Let's get the imagery here, okay? In this parable, in this story, Jesus is the master. He's the one. Jesus is the master whose departure and return frame the events of this parable. That's one really important thing to get as we begin to look at this. Make no mistake about it. This is talking about Jesus. And there is this thing that we don't often talk about. Jesus is going to return one day. Jesus is going to come back. And this isn't something to avoid. This isn't something to not think about. This is something to embrace and believe and cling to. This is our hope. The one day Jesus will return 
and begin his reign, his rule, continuing it, this kingdom reign and rule that he has in leading us into evermore, into eternity. And so this parable speaks to that. What, the, what is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God's like this. What's well, like waiting for the master, for the king, for the Lord to return. That's what it means. Jesus returning to us. The delay of the master's return will be followed by an accounting for his resources. That portrays the final judgment. This is speaking to those times. That's what we see here. So let me tell you a little more about this return. I want to take you to Matthew 24. Now, I mentioned this last week, I believe, that when we're reading the scriptures, it's really important to consider not only the text that we're in, in the moment, but also what comes before it and what comes after. We've got to read it in the context, the biblical context. And so in Matthew 24, we see Jesus speaking about his return. The fact that he's going to go away and that he's going to come back, I think this is important as we consider watching. Take a look at this, okay? So Matthew 24, verse 36. You might jot this down and go back to this passage this week. Matthew 24, 36 says this, but about the day or hour, no one knows. You get that? About the day or the hour of his return, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Oh, so that means that that guy that I saw in 1997 at the Steelers Monday night football game at Three River Stadium who was holding a sign that said, Jesus is coming back on May 25th that he really didn't know? Yeah, that's right. He didn't know. <laughs> you ever see one of those things? You ever come across someone who says that? Posts like that? Look, Jesus is very plain here. He says, no one knows. When that's going to only happen. Only the Father has that time sealed away. That's an important thing. That guy must have been a Browns fan at the game, I bet. <laughs> look, what he said, look what Jesus goes on to say in the same passage, Matthew 24, 42. He says, therefore, because no one knows the day or the hour, therefore keep watch. We're talking about watching. The story of the talents encourages us to watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. <laughs> There's a certain sense of ignorance we have about the Lord's return. We believe he's going to return. But there's ignorance of it. And so ignorance of the time of Jesus coming again should result in constant alertness. One of the things that you and I should be living our days as, as people who are very much alert. I mean, maybe the guy with the sign was on to something. Maybe we should live like we, we, we know it's coming tomorrow, as if it really were going to happen when we least expect it, and that we should be living our lives with a sense of urgency because we're watching. The parable of the talents is pointing us to be people who are watchful, and alertness must be accompanied by dependable and faithful stewardship. You say, well, how do I watch? How do I await this day? Well, I think it could be boiled down again to dependable and faithful stewardship. After all, this parable does speak to, to talents, doesn't it? 
It speaks to talents. You know, Dr. Leslie, the man I told you about at the top of the sermon here, was haunted by the thought that he had wasted 17 years in Congo. That's because he knew that being watchful meant to be faithful and service and stewardship of what God's given us. It's why we have to wrestle with what we're leaving behind as a congregation, as a church, as a people. Being watchful means that we are dependable and faithful in stewardship. So the question is, will we be dependable with his resources? Will we be dependable using what God has given to us? The talents. And by the way, in a lot of translations, this parable would read as the parable of the talents. What you heard in the translation we read today, and it's a good translation, it's a faithful translation, talked about putting money and talked about gold, right? Well, traditionally, this has been translated as a parable of talents. Let me tell you about talents a little bit. You tend to think of talents as giftedness. In fact, our word talents comes from what Jesus taught here. And we tend to use talents when we're talking about someone who is extraordinarily gifted. Oh, they're talented. But what this is saying is, is that everyone who follows Jesus has talents. Now, this word talents, in in ancient times, in the times of Jesus, it was actually a money measurement. It's a measurement for money. And a talent was equivalent to 20 years wages. Think about that, 20 years of wages. One talent was about the equivalent of 20 years of wages. So someone who got five talents, we're talking about 100 years of wages. That's like insurmountable wealth. More wealth than you can imagine. More wealth than a person could accrue in a lifetime. Even two talents, even one talent is something that is significant and considerable from God. And these talents are meant to speak to the greatness of God's gifts to his people. Look, you have talents. You have giftings, and they are worth more than gold. You say, well, I'm not that talented. Yes, you are. If you've got one talent, you've got a whole lot. You got worth, you got something that's worth more than 20 years of wages. In other words, a whole bunch. It is more than its weight in gold. Talents are not to be taken for granted. I would say this, and I say this without boasting. I believe in my year here that Christ Church of Grove Farm is a five-talent church. This is the kind of church that has incredible resources, incredible degree of education. We've, We've got financial resources. We've got leadership. We've got influence. I could go on and on and on. Not bragging, God has given this church great talent. It's a five-talent church. What are we going to do with that? Let me give you an illustration of this. So I I went several years back on a vacation um, with my wife, Lisa, and her family. And we went to, when we rented a little beach house, my father-in-law made sure we had a good place to stay. And he really enjoyed the family staying at this beach house. And you know, whenever you have a beach house, you're, you're, you're responsible for making sure you get everything picked up at the end of the time and, and cleaned up to a certain degree, right? Well, my father-in-law took this to an entirely different level. When we got to the end of the week and we had to pack our stuff up, he had us take our luggage and wait outside. He like shooed us all out of the house. 
And he went around personally and made sure everything was picked up. And then at the very close of our time on the vacation, he finished by getting down on his hands and knees as he was leaving the, 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 the house and wiped off his footprints so there wouldn't be a trace of the fact that he was in the building. That's a whole nother level of stewardship, isn't it, my friends? And you know what? My father-in-law is that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who says, look, I want to be faithful when the master of the house returns. I want him to see me as someone who's a good servant, who's a good steward of what I've been given. And so I'm going to wipe the footprints even. There's not going to be a trace of the fact that I was here. I think that's a good picture for us. And you know, I hope that we're the kind of church that takes the details of being a part of the kingdom of God and stewarding the resources, the five talents that God's given us so much that we get down on our knees and we wipe the footprints. Do you get what I'm saying? That's, that's the kind of church we want to be. Will we be dependable using his resources as we watch and we wait? This is about watching. And one of the things we do as we watch is we use his resources dependably. Let's go to the second W. So we talked about watching. I got another W word, and the word is witnessing. Now, when I say witnessing, some of you think of personal evangelism. That's a good thing to think about. Today, again, I'm speaking to you as a church. And so I say witnessing, I'm talking about testifying to the greatness of God with all that we are. So I believe this passage speaks to witnessing. Let's take a look at this, okay? So again, I take you to the text, Matthew 25, verses 16 through 18. It says, the man who had received five bags of gold, that would be five talents, went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold or talents gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole, and hid his master's money. Hmm. Listen, to be alert, to be watching, we're talking about watching and now witnessing, to be alert is to actively exercise the gifts and opportunities we have for the service to the kingdom of God. That's what it means. We've got to be alert. And as we are, we take every opportunity. We take the gifts we've been given and we use them for service in the kingdom of God. We've been entrusted. I mean, the three servants here in the story were entrusted with the riches of God. Much of it. That's not real gold, by the way. If you're wondering, should I come and take some of that? No, it's not real. I, I promise you. No, these servants were entrusted with property and God has entrusted us with the stewardship of his gospel. We're entrusted with that stewardship to the church. That's been entrusted. Let me take it back to Mr. Leslie, Dr. Leslie. Dr. Leslie, I think probably felt like he had, he had dug a hole and put his talent in the ground like that third servant. He felt like he had taken the gospel and he had buried it and he had nothing to show for it. Well, the most interesting thing happened in 2010. In 2010, a team of missionaries went to Central Africa to share the message of Jesus. I love that. And when they went there in a remote place, they discovered a network of churches and they spoke to the leaders of those churches. And over and over again, 
The same name kept coming up. You guessed it. Leslie. The people in Congo kept talking about this man named Leslie. I mean, in the year 2010. And as it turned out, Dr. Leslie had gone and visited this one place, this remote area, every year for 17 years straight. And he ministered to them. And now, a hundred years later, his investment produced churches that were thriving long after he had gone from this earth. Isn't that incredible? I love that story. You know what it speaks to? It speaks to being a steward of the riches of God. Stewards of the gospel. I mean, look at Isaiah 55, 11. This will be familiar to some of you. And this speaks to the principle I believe that Leslie knew. The principle is this. My word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty. That's what God says. He says, my gospel, it's like, it's like gold. And if you invest it, it won't come back empty. But it'll accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. If you are my witnesses, if you share the gospel, you don't have to worry. I will do the work, God says. You be faithful to sow the word. You be faithful to invest it, and it will come back. It will produce. And we have evidence in Leslie's life that he was not a failure. He actually left the legacy behind. And it was a legacy of faith, a legacy of the gospel. You talk about leaving a legacy behind. You want to invest in one thing, church? Let's invest in the gospel. Let's invest in taking the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus, everywhere, here in our city, across our nation, into the world. This is what we should be about. Let me show you a video here that speaks to how Christ Church has been doing this historically. Watch this video and get a sense of some of the things that we've been a part of over the years. On my first trip to Uganda, they had nothing. They had no clean water. They spend many hours, children who should be going to school are required to walk miles to a, a watering hole and carrying back home for their family. And that's when we started providing clean water. And up till now, through the years, I would say there are a million people that have clean water because of the people from this church. And attendance is up, the sicknesses are down. If you get clean water to a village, health will improve by 80%. My first mission trip was to Jamaica with Pastor Robbie. God was calling me to fulfill his uh, great commission to make disciples in the world. And in college, I went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic and have just really felt that call to be there ever since. I will be serving for the next eight months in the Dominican Republic. 
I'll be in a community called Cienfuegos to bring together the community and serve their needs while also sharing the gospel of Christ. If anybody out there thinks that they're too old and that they don't have the finances, just tell God to handle that. The whole world needs water. They need missions. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jim and Katie and others who've served. Man, I love that. And, and I'll tell you right now, Katie Scott is right now in the DR. She's in the Dominican Republic as we speak. Katie, we pray for you. We love you. Pray God would strengthen you and give you boldness to share the love of Christ and his gospel. Thank you for investing in the gospel in this, in this world. We stand with you. And Jim, look, listen, he's home now, but he's ready to go. He's ready to go wherever God sends him. I love that. But, but remember this, people of the church. We cannot live off the faithfulness of the past, nor can we live off the faithfulness of others. We celebrate Jim, we celebrate Katie, but God has called each of us to be his servants. And together as a church, to band together, to invest his gospel and share it to be his witnesses, as we're called to do. So let's not be comfortable. I fear that we've grown too comfortable as a people, as Christians in America, in the West. Our hope is that we would not be comfortable, but that we would feel activated and feel this sense of, of urgency as we watch and wait for God to be his witnesses in the world. You've heard us talk about our burgeoning partnership with SEAPC, Southeast Asia Prayer Center. Matt Geppert has been here the past two weeks to worship with us and to preach and, and even to share some vision with us. And we're very excited that as we continue to partner on the north side with Urban Impact Foundation and, and we partner with other organizations that have ministry not only locally but around this country, we can also reach into the world. And have an impact there because we're called to do this as a people. And so we feel called to go to one of those unreached people groups that we have on the walls out there. Visit those if you haven't already done that. Cambodia is among those people, those nations, specifically the Khmer people. And we have an opportunity as a congregation to help to build an orphanage. You saw the pictures there of, of Jim with children in Uganda. Well, in a similar way, we have an opportunity with children in Cambodia, children who have never, in some cases, heard the good news of Jesus. And we can actually help build an orphanage. This is the kind of thing that we do tangibly to invest in the gospel. I mean, $50,000 for our church to build an orphanage that will house dozens of kids. We as a church should be able to do that, don't you think? And, and then ongoing support. On a monthly basis, I would love for us to help provide food. And discipleship and love and care. We've got to step up as a church. Hey, there may be opportunities for you to sponsor as a family a child. You ever done that? If you haven't, it's a wonderful opportunity. My family sponsors a child. We would love for you to do these things. Go and talk to Kathy Klein at the table in the back. Call us up this week. We would love to have these conversations. We'd love to show you how you can be a part of contributing to this mission so that we can reach people with the gospel. We want to invest well as a church. I came across a quote this week. I want to read it to you. 
I think this speaks well. You know, we're talking about watching and waiting. We're talking about witnessing. This sums it up really well. When Christ returns, the quote says, he will not ask if one had the date right, but rather he will ask, what have you been doing? What have you been doing? My prayer is that we will take the five talents we've got and we'll invest it in Cambodia, Uganda, on the north side, on Mount Nebo, everywhere. There's another thing I would say to you is this. I would hope that we would be a church that's known for this, to attempt great things for God. That's what Jim West has done. That's what Katie Scott is doing. We would attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. I believe that's how Dr. Leslie started out. What are we leaving behind? Listen, let's do whatever it takes to reach the next generation. Let's do whatever it takes to know Christ and to serve him. This is what we're about. I got to touch on one more thing in this parable, and that's this. If you heard the end of the story that Jesus told, verses 24 through 27, you may have thought to yourself, ooh, that sounds kind of harsh. Honestly, how many of you thought that? When you, when you hear the master, and I'm telling you this represents Jesus, when you hear it, you think, boy, that sounds really kind of harsh. It sounds unkind. It sounds severe. It sounds very shrewd. His dealings with the servants. What's up with that? You may be wondering. Well, listen, if you think that it sounds harsh, remember this, this parable proverbially, is not meant to be a biographical sketch of God on one hand. On the other hand, though, it's meant to be a warning. And if you go to the book of Revelation, I encourage you to do it. You're going to see Jesus there depicted as one with fire in his eyes, as one who is powerful and mighty. Your picture of Jesus might be him holding a little lamb. And that's, a, that's certainly a component of who Jesus is. But he will return when he comes back as a conquering king. Make no mistake of it. And so this parable is meant to be a warning. Maybe if I read to you from the Psalms, it'll help you understand maybe this, this side, this, this image, this sense of God we get, this, this harshness, this shrewdness. Listen to Psalm 18, verses 25 and 26. This is on the screens for you. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless God, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. Maybe how we see God is all about our own relationship with Him. It's all about maybe how faithful we are, how blameless we are, how, how pure through Christ we are, our faith. Maybe it's about our desire. I wonder if that servant who put the coin and put it into the ground, that one talent he had, I wonder if that servant really, really wanted God. Or is his account of what happened merely an excuse? Don't you get that sense? I mean, don't you sometimes feel that way? I'm just making excuses. Perhaps that's what this is about. And so if that's you, if you're one that says, man, I, the harsh side of God. Well, listen, here's what I would encourage all of us to do. Again, from the Psalms 37, verse 3. I'm going to read this out of the NASB. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. I like the way that sounds. Cultivate faithfulness. 
Cultivate. Put something into it. Invest in faithfulness. Just like you go to the gym and you build up your muscles physically. Go into the the spiritual gym and build yourself up. Cultivate faithfulness. Do you see? We're called to be a people who cultivate faithfulness. And I believe when you do, there'll be be blamelessness that comes out of knowing Christ and purity that comes from knowing Christ. It's not ours, but it's given to us by God. And that we will see God as faithful and blameless and pure rather than shrewd. I want to tell you another quick story. It's about John and Teresa Girgo. These would be my great-grandparents. A picture of them on the screens there. John and Teresa came to the United States from the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And they immigrated here in 1911, over 100 years ago. And when they came here, of course, they settled in Pittsburgh. The Mon Valley specifically, they came here to work. To, to gain some wealth. They came to, to get a better way of life like many of your ancestors as well. We're all kind of got similar stories like this. It's not just me. Well, 12 years after that little couple arrived here, my great-grandfather John, working in the mill, got a foot infection. Foot became infected and he died. He's only 42 years old. And I think about that. I think about this guy who made this journey on a boat, left his, his homeland, left everything he knew, left his family in hopes of, of something great for his people. And it all ended so abruptly. I mean, only 42 years old. I wonder what Grandma Teresa thought. I wonder if in her darkest moment she was discouraged and thought, why did we do this? Why did we leave our people to go to a place where they don't speak our language? Why do we leave our families? Why do we leave the, the farmland that we, we had as home? There was a sacrifice, certainly, that went along with their journey from Austria-Hungary to America. And I believe that that sacrifice that they made maybe wasn't realized in their lifetime, but I'll tell you what. My grandfather, his son, and my dad, and me, and my children... We're blessed by the sacrifice that they made to go across the ocean and have a different life. I mean, hugely blessed. Changed our world, changed our family line forever through what they did. He didn't get to taste the fruit of it. You know, in a similar way, there's a higher picture that I'll point you to, and that's Jesus. Jesus left his home in heaven. We hear that he he left his place at the right hand of God. And he came a great distance, so to speak, to go from heaven to earth. And he died at an early age. We believe around the age of 33. And what was it about? It was about his sacrifice so that people could truly live. So they could know the Lord and have everlasting life. He left something behind for us. Grandpa John left something behind for me. Jesus left something greater, far greater, behind for all of us. There's a great legacy he has. So again, I take you back to where we started. What are you leaving behind? What are you leaving behind? I'll tell you this, never be content 
with a profession of Christianity without practice. Never ever. Don't be content with that. We must practice our faith. Let's not just talk about faith. Let's not only feel the importance of faith. Let's be a people who do something too. It will require sacrifice. My last statement. Followers of Jesus. You. We have been equipped to serve Christ and to use our gifts to extend God's reign and his rule, his kingdom. May we take the talents that have been given to us and invest them incredibly wisely and use them for God's glory. Amen.